Well, good morning, everyone. I'm pleased that you've joined me this morning as we come to our second instalment in Psalm 31. And today we're focusing in particular upon verses 9 to 18, though it's the privilege of taking the middle section of anything that I can refer both back and forward as needed. Well, let's pray and then we'll read together. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to this wonderful psalm that is deeply thoughtful, as we see David's distress and his reliance upon you for deliverance and his sheer delight that you are the God in whom he trusts, we ask that this would be reflective of our experience and trust in you and our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, Psalm 31, verses 9 to 18. Let's read together. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes, grow, my eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbours and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I'm forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear many whispering, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I've cried out to you, but let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in the realm of the dead. Let their lying lips be silenced, for with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. And this is God's word. Well, in this cry from the heart passage, we again find David as the righteous sufferer, praying that God would deliver him from his enemies. As Gareth showed us so clearly yesterday from verses 1 to 8, so today it's a similar pattern in verses 9 to 18. Distress, dependence and deliverance, or at least a sure and certain conviction that God will deliver him from his enemies. And we can add a fourth D in brief, determination, as we'll see. So first of all, distressed, and the nature of the distress progresses throughout this psalm. David's already prayed in his distress for relief from enemies who threatened to put him to shame, verse 1 who attack him, verses 2 to 3, who seek to trap him, verse 4, and today in verse 9, who cause him exhaustion, grief and sorrow, who make him an utter contempt, literally the horror of his neighbours, and an object of dread to his closest friends, verse 11, who scheme to take his life, verse 13, and who've made him like a broken vessel, verse 12. Goodness, how much more can he take, we might think. And that's how it seems David feels too. Look at verse 9 with me. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. The eye, it looks ahead. It fixes goals. It focuses our longings. So an eye that is failing, as David's eyes are failing, that is, that are weak with sorrow, speaks eloquently for loss of hope and expectation. Similarly, soul and body, my soul and body have grief, are weak with sorrow and grief. Soul and body stand for the whole person in its inner and outer qualities and attributes. There seems to be little, if anything, left to live for and no meaningful resilience left to take any more grief. It may even seem to us that David's nerve is failing. 
all caused, you see, by the impact of his distressing circumstances upon his mind and body, summed up by those evocative words in verse 10, anguish, groaning, failing strength, weak bones. This isn't a new train of thought. The fact is that constant opposition from his enemies have worn David down. The dwindling strength spoken of here is that inner strength, personal resilience, that is fading, it seems, illustrated with that haunting phrase, weak bones. That inner resilience that can be eroded by the moral guilt of sin, which may well be included in the orbit of meaning of the word affliction there in verse 10. Perhaps David has in mind how his own ability to face up to the external challenges of life and real-life enemies was weakened by his own sin within his palace, such as happened when he took Bathsheba. It seems as if his physical constitution and robustness is virtually gone. No wonder that he feels, verse 12, forgotten, out of sight and therefore out of mind, like a perish pot, the victim of a whispering campaign, verse 13. And yet in the midst of all of this distress on so many levels, David again expresses his dependence upon the Lord. Yesterday it was dependence upon God's redemption and faithfulness, verse 5, his steadfast love, verse 7, and his grace, verse 9, all pointing towards the summit of verse 5, into your hands I commit my spirit, deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. Well, today, dependence upon the Lord is expressed in these terms, in many ways parallel to verse 5. Verse 14, but I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God, my times are in your hands, deliver me from the hands of my enemies and from those who pursue me. And this confidence in God culminates in thanksgiving and praise, verses 20 to 25, as if the actual deliverance has already been experienced. Well, let's take a step back and consider how this applies to us. As Gareth explained to us clearly yesterday, this mountain peak of the psalm is undoubtedly verse 5, into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. There's no doubt about this. Ultimately, this psalm is fulfilled in the experience and last words of the Lord Jesus, who in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, when crucified upon the cross, quotes verse 5, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, as his final prayer. So the Lord Jesus died supremely confident in fulfilment of this psalm, as well as other scriptures, that God would raise him from the dead. And his quotation of this psalm means we must see this whole psalm as expressing the prayer of Christ upon the cross, in the same way that Jesus' prayerful cries upon the cross repeat the opening and closing words of Psalm 22 and contextualise that psalm for us too. This prayerful distress upon the cross in the face of the abandonment and vilification by his enemies is actually the prayer of the Lord Jesus, and his dependence upon the God and uh, upon his father God and his certainty of deliverance through resurrection is his trust in the power and loving care of his heavenly father. We can go further. Because the Lord Jesus suffered such anguish, including my guilt and yours if you're trusting him as our substitute, bearing the father's anger at our sin. Because of that, we don't need to suffer in the same way. Jesus' unspeakable suffering and death at the hands not only of wicked and ungodly men, but ultimately at the judgment of the triune God, Father, Son and Spirit, 
means that we need not suffer wrath at our sin, for he has delivered us as our Redeemer. And therefore the pinnacle verse of today's section in verses 14 to 15, my times are in your hands, must be understood in this same context. A time here is not the date, but a period of time marked out by something distinctive. For example, today's date, February 26th, is a date, but winter is a distinctive period, a season. And praise God, we're coming through into spring with all the hope that brings. So times here in our verse is comparable to experiences, the whole course and content of our life, the way things have worked out up to and including that moment of death. And what a fantastic reassurance we have here. My times are in your hands. I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. Take the home call earlier this week on Sunday evening of our dearly loved friend and sister in Christ, Jill Braithwaite. How was Jill able to face her own death with such joyful confidence? Well, the answer, and she was a woman of great faith, is because of this glorious truth in this very precious psalm. In particular, verses 5 and 14 to 15, the comfort of which Jill was very aware, are parallel truths, as I say. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. And again in our verses today, verse 14, I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. The contrast, you see, is that at death, as in life, we're transferred and protected in the hands of God, away from the hands of all who would pursue us and try to destroy us, whether wicked men or sin or death itself. Similarly, because of Jesus, we are not put to shame, though the wicked are put to shame, as David puts it in verse 17. We, at the moment of our death, through faith in Christ, are transferred and protected in the hands of God because the price of our sin has been paid by none other than his precious son, the Lord Jesus, whose sacrifice in our place was completely accepted by God. Therefore, we too, like Jill, can be supremely confident in God's grace and power when our time comes to be taken to the glory of heaven with our Saviour. Listen to me. None of us knows when our time will come to stand before the Lord. However, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has fulfilled the promise of this psalm. He's opened the way of eternal life for all who trust him so that we, just like Jill, are able when our time comes to pray with complete confidence into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I trust in you, Lord. You are my God. My times are in your hands. So take heart this morning. Just as God's face, verse 16, shone upon David his king and far more wonderfully on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so too you, can, you and I can be assured that through faith in the Lord Jesus, God's face shines upon us and one day will shine upon us as we're ushered into his glorious presence. Oh, and notice by the way David's determination to leave the vengeance against wickedness and sin that threatens his righteous heart, that vengeance he leaves firmly to the Lord to deal with, verses 17 and 18. For the one who judged his son for the good of his people, will surely demand an accounting from the wicked who reject his son and his people. Don't be someone who rejects the son, will you? Embrace him like so many of us listening to this, uh, to this uh, video this morning. You trust him and then you'll rejoice when he takes you to be with him. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we want to start by praying for Paul and his family, for Rob and for Jen and for the wider family 
as they mourn Jill's passing, as they come to terms with their loss. But also we rejoice with them as we know they do, that she is now safe with you. And we thank you for each of us, that our times are safe in your hands, that you are our God. May we indeed trust in you, we pray. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, it's been good to be with you today. And we look forward to continuing with these bite-sized devotions, bite-sized psalms on Monday. Have a great weekend. Maybe I'll see many of you in church on Sunday. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to our Christchurch Dunstable podcast. Tune in every weekday to listen to our daily devotions. And why not visit our website, ccd.church, to find more resources. Christchurch Dunstable, bringing the hope of Christ from the heart of Dunstable.